Right, hello everyone, <coughs> welcome to episode... Oh, he's coughed. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no one said action. It's yeah. normally my job. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Et66 podcast. We've been very busy judging the shorts for this year's festival and there's so much great stuff coming in. So please, if you've not done so already, get your submission in. The regular deadline closes on June the 10th and the overall deadline is July the 8th, so not long now. This week is the first to be recorded during lockdown, so please excuse the audio quality, but I'm sure you're familiar with that by now. In this week's episode, the team talk about The Stain, directed by Shoresh Fakili, Is That All There Is by Asa Gartland, Unregistered by Sophia Banks, and Clean As You Like by Teresa Varga. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the Et66 Film Festival podcast. I'm uh, co-host of the festival and submissions coordinator Paul Anderson here with uh, guest judges this week. We've got Serena Gardner and Josh Nolan. Um, Serena, I'll go to you first. How are you? Welcome. It's your first one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, I was actually saying sorry because I spoke over you, but um, I'm not sorry for being here. I love being here. Um, yes, it is my first one. Um, I've been on the panel now for about two years um yeah and i'm loving it so far and i'm a, a writer director excellent and josh how are you i'm good thank you very much how are you i'm good i'm good are you as excited as serena is to be here i'm more excited but um i can <laughs> i can uh, fake it okay i like it josh i like it i like i like what you've done there so yeah um yeah so we're obviously we're talking over i can't see josh um which is disconcerting i can see serena so yeah um in the current crazy world of the lockdown we're all doing this over, over the uh, the magical power of the internet so um we're getting used to doing quite a lot of x66 stuff over the internet at the moment with not being able to see each other's faces so um yeah it's a it's a new approach to it but some something I think can can certainly work without a problem um, and basically we are here to talk to you about uh, four films today um, that were all uh, in the official selection from last year's festival um, they are The Stain directed by Shoresh Vakili uh, Is That All There Is directed by Aza Gartland Unregistered directed by Sophia Banks and Clean As You Like directed by Teresa Varga um, so yeah where we wanted to start really was with The Stain um, this is a pretty powerful I would say um, Iranian drama um, that I that the more I watch the more I kind of the more I take from it really I think uh, who wants to kick us off with the stain any, any thoughts from anyone anyone who want to dive in uh, yeah I will um, I just I thought I think you're right actually it the more you watch it the more you do take away from it and every time I watch it I find something new in it that I haven't found before it's it's such a beautifully cold uh, subtle film that kind of unravels with this tale of this cleaner in the cinema who basically he's been a soldier and now this is his life as basically projecting war on screen and this stain keeps appearing before him um and then i was i was about to steal away the the ending there but i won't but it's it's just it's beautifully shot and i love the man and it's got no dialogue in it as well so everything is just told through his expression and the, his face and the things that he does and um i just really loved it josh what did you think well i think iranian cinema has been the most interesting globally for quite a few 
years now mm. in every sense of the word when when it was a challenge to even see it or even viewable outside of the country to uh to now uh where we're getting these amazing films There's, i think there were a couple of great iranian films from the the 2019 selection yeah, if cool. i remember yeah. um uh this one this one was that amazing tale of reminding yourself that you might have been wrong do you know what i mean it had that mm. Um, to look within reminds us to do that and how that might be a challenge and uh, that disillusionment as well that sort of can take us over from time to time and it yeah, it challenged us that way um, especially in a country with, with its you know the political polarisation such as uh, Iran and how, and how a, sh- a tiny movie shot by just only a few people can have such a potent message it, um it yeah i'm like I'm, i agree with you all of you guys i i watch it quite quite often and it's uh it's a it's a education yeah i think so and i think that the things that i kind of i'll be honest the first time i watched it on the judging panel i was kind of i wasn't sure what I, what i should be taking from it which is always a good sign in a film that leaves a bit of ambiguity for you to interpret it in the way you want to interpret it but like and now i, I watch it as much as it, it is as obviously the guys are former soldier now running the cinema so there's the there's the obvious messages there uh, serena do, you, do this comes across to me as it might be something of a statement on on-screen violence as well i don't know the more i watch it the more that kind of creeps into it Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like it completely is. I think it's it's him basically saying that, you know, with the power of film, you have the power of what you're projecting to the world to change it, basically. Um, and he does that in his actions by uh, recutting the film and basically saying that you can it's more of a metaphor saying that you can you can change this in the world as it is now outside in the physical being of war um but also you can change it on screen and art and you can so it's all about kind of what you project out there to the world like there's always uh, a moment for change and kind of re-education and especially i think uh, backing up what josh was saying in if you th- consider the context in th- which these filmmakers are actually making their these type of films especially and then putting them out there um it's very it carries a huge weight and i think it's really iranian cinema is very very important yeah no i agree josh anything further to add on the stain or yeah actually you you brought up something interesting that um i i I was worried about for a moment that you know when he cuts the film it was it was more about censorship than about artistic uh, freedom Mm. but I i actually take your points um over my worry about it because i think that's well, that's a much more positive message, and that's what that film is definitely going for. There's no way it's trying to, you know, uh, trick you or anything. So, uh, uh, thanks for those points. You've actually made me look at it in a uh, much more fascinating way. Yeah, and no, I think yeah, that's, that's an interesting point because yeah, and Serena's kind of changed my mind a little bit as well because I thought maybe he was going for a, a pro censorship take, which, uh, like you, Josh, concerns me a little bit when every time every time that kind of rears its head. So uh, thanks, Serena. You understood the film. We clearly didn't. So points to Serena for that one, uh, and no points to Paul and Josh. Not that we're scoring here at all, but if we were, Serena would yes, win that round are. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the next film we're going to talk about tonight is called Is That All There Is? Directed by Aza Gartland. Um, he's a very young director. I believe this may have been a student film or certainly his first film post-university. Um, before we get into what we thought of the film, um, here's an audio interview um, between myself and the director, Aza Gartland. Um, so just a quick question for you. Is that your first film you've made since leaving university? Yeah. That's very impressive, sir. Thank I, you. I hasten to add. It's one of my it's one of my picks of the festival, I think. I <laughs> really? really, really like it. Yeah. I appreciate that. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the premise of the double has been done uh, a few times before with mixed success. Um, yeah. That must have taken some confidence uh, to pick that as kind of your first your first post-university feature. What was the thought process in, in going down that route? Um, I guess it all goes down to character at the end of the day, and I think there's no more interest in a character than oneself and the relationship you have to yourself. And that's what the whole idea of the film is about, that you can you can conceive of situations that you might be in and you can interpret them in many different ways. But at the end of the day, your life is yours to decide and it's about using your time wisely and not letting things get on top of you. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, there's definitely a, a sort of dark comedic vibe throughout the whole thing, but at the same time, I, I can't help but feel for the character. How easy is that balance between sort of black comedy and genuinely emotive moments to strike? Well, I will say when I... Uh when I conceived of the idea, it was a comedy. And that's what I was telling everyone that you were working on a comedy. And it wasn't until I actually started to realize that in the dark recesses of my brain, it quickly became a fairly, like you say, morbid like piece, but with the comedic element, which balances it out. But it was in the edit where we found that we really, instead of there was a lot more we filmed, which was like, you know, um, ad hoc stuff driving around the streets of Bristol where it was filmed like interviewing people on the streets with him and we did loads of crazy ideas and it was in the edit that we realised that the power of the film lay in its darkness and not in the comedy of it yeah fair enough I mean he's great in the lead I think playing, mm, yeah, playing both he's roles he's a great actor how did you come across how did you come across your lead worked with him in university on my uh, grad piece and he was like a small uh, small character in that who actually stole the show and uh, we love working with him he's a great guy had a couple of beers with him <laughs> saying I had this project I actually wrote the project with him in mind uh, so when I went out for a drink with him and pitched in this idea which is screen time for him for the whole whole time and also allows him to do some pretty serious acting uh, jumped on the idea and yeah he's a good pal of mine now fantastic mm. good um, I won't be alone probably in spotting some slight, well, less than subtle David Lynch references in there certainly with the bar scenes yeah. um, aside from Lynch was there any other sort of obvious inspirations for that kind of thing or um Plenty, you know. I, I feel like um, Midnight in Paris was a big okay. one. Good shout. Yeah, there was a. But I, the way I feel about inspiration is there's. I don't really take specific inspiration, but it's more a collective, uh, collective inspiration of filmmakers and films that I've watched and been interested in my whole life. So I wouldn't say it was Lynch. Obviously, had a big yeah. influence, but. If you ask me who some of my favourite filmmakers, I necessarily wouldn't say David Lynch is, so it's more of a broader sort of influence oh, good. on the film. It's nice to have a broad, broad yeah. range of influences for sure, so yeah, no, all good. Um, so yeah, so that's your first film post-university. Anything coming next, or what, what's next for that film first, I guess? Is this a UK premiere this today? Is, is that correct? Premier. Well, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. It must be nice thank to see you. on the cinema screen. They are. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must be incredible. The set um, is fantastic. It's, well, like, it's like a dream come true, really. Good, good. So what's next for the film then? And then I guess the next question would be... Plowing on with the festival circuit uh, seeing what else uh, happens with that I've got a couple of projects I'm writing at the moment um, working in and around the industry trying to find my feet and hopefully get another film made at some point well congratulations and thanks for joining us yeah no pleasure no thanks thank for you. being here
But yeah, as I mentioned before the interview, that was obviously an interview with the director of Is That All There Is? Um, I'll open it up to, um, to to my guests, if I may. Josh, um, I'll, I'll start with you this time. Any thoughts on Is That All There Is? As I said, well, I, I'm still astounded, and it is as that interview proves, it is in fact his first film post-university. Josh, anything to add? Yeah, well, having just had an interview and uh, finding out that that's his first film from university, that's, that's just a staggering achievement, I think. Um, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. I enjoyed the audacity of it. I enjoyed the the complexity of it. I enjoyed the fact that he, it's also not complex as well. He goes broad, which um, uh, a lot of people think that you know broad cinema, you know, sort of big wide angles and sort of farcical sort of comedic performances is like a cheat but it's not it's it's the opposite it's it proves it's one of the hardest things to film i think firstly a comedy uh, and secondly a broad comedy which kind of i'm not doing him justice i I mean broad in the complimentary sense it's he's he rolls big with ideas and they all land and that's his first film that's that's extremely impressive and uh, I'm really looking forward to what he does next. Yeah, for sure. Serena? Yeah, uh, just to echo that point, can you imagine what he's going to do next? Jesus. First film? <laughs> I'm slightly jealous. Uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> you and me both, yeah. Like that. I, I mean, I just hearing his uh, interview there, I, I interpreted his film in a slightly different way, uh, which is good, mm-hmm. actually. I think it's good if you can do that, because I took it that... Um, obviously very Lynchian in places um, that he was, because you start off with that beautiful opening scene where this man is literally kind of uh, thinking about if like, is this all there is? And he's got a hose pipe through his car door and he's about to kill himself. So I, I assume <laughs> uh, rightly or wrongly that he'd gone off to like some limbo Lynchian land uh, where he was, uh, having a disc and they were basically like he meets himself and himself is basically saying like is you've got to think about it is that is this all there is or could you go back into this world and change your life for the better um and that's how i took it um but that's okay i think it's good if you've got a film that is widely interpretable um and you also i just come back to the same conclusion i just think it's it's quite a feat what he's and uh, i was massively impressed just the way it's shot like the art direction like uh it's just a, a and the way that the sound kind of melts into like how this man experiences life it's just it's beautifully done, beautifully done yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And I think that for me, what stood out is it's very easy to use the concept of the double. It could be, it's a very easy gimmick to use. Um, if you've watched, uh, if you Van Damme, Van Damme uses it uh, in a much worse way than this in some early Van Damme films. There's a comparison no one expected on the show. Um, <laughs> but this is definitely better than Van Damme's efforts where there's two of him for sure. Um, but no, all, all joking apart, it's very, it would be very easy to, to lean on that as a gimmick and just be like, oh, look, I've done a film with a double. But it feels, it feels an intrinsic part of this story. It, it just it feels like he's really thought rather than just using it as a gimmick it really thought really feels like he's thought out the concept and and i thought it worked i thought it worked remarkably well and again like it's um like the fact that it does go from kind of emotional gut punch to black comedy um for someone to do that and i'm gonna say it again we've all said it first film outside of university there's a deft of hand here that filmmakers working for 30 or 40 years don't don't achieve so um yeah the completely completely third what you guys have been saying just what an incredible talent 
talent this guy's definitely going to be and i very much look forward to uh, very much look forward to his next film for sure uh, can i add um that i think needs to be said the performance from danan danan mm. makalia playing two roles possibly three roles depending on how you look at it um i think uh, filmmakers go for those um difficult character on the brink moments uh, which is what cinema is about and i think um if the right director with his first movie um asking an actor to um agree to be on the brink of like you know sort of a suicidal moment um i'm not giving away the plot i'm sure um but that's a big ask to an actor and he does it in a in a subtle and impressive and real way um, where his pretty much first line of dialogue is calling Hemaway a prick or something. <laughs> so he's, he, Danan is doing this amazingly important, difficult moment. And he's also in a broad sort of comedy as well. So you're seeing these, you know, wide angle lenses and, um, big sort of Monty Python-esque sort of uh, moments and characteristics and characters coming at, at him. But Danan grounds it every single time in every single shot. It's, it sort of cut me to the core. And I would just like to make a make an appreciation to Danan McAleer for what he did. That was one of the best performances I saw in the entire year. No, I think that, that's a really good point to add. To be honest, and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you picked us up on that and added to it because yeah, I completely agree with you. It's a it's a fantastic performance and definitely one of the strongest of the year. And yeah, as I mentioned at, at the top of the the segment, certainly one of uh, certainly one of my favourites of the year. Um, yeah, so that is is that all there is. So if you get a chance to see it, then then definitely check it out. Clearly loved by us without a shadow of a doubt. So the next film we're going to discuss is a film called Unregistered, which is directed by uh, Sophia Banks. Um, my thoughts on this is I'd say for the guys that have been doing it for a few years now, every once in a while there's a film that shows up and you sit there and go, how the hell can anyone have afforded to make this? Like, it's just one of one of those films that, like, as soon as it opened up, I was just like, this film looks incredible. It's, it's clearly got a budget behind it. There's clearly a lot of hard work going into it. But I think it's one of those films where a lot of people who aren't into short films... I don't think think these kind of things are possible in the short form in the short form and when you look at the scale and scope and just how good this film looks and the production design and everything about like the sci-fi world that this has created I love seeing I'm always fight for genre pieces um, when I'm on the panel uh, for good or bad sometimes as you guys will probably agree um, but yeah this is this is a, a for me a, a really a really good bit of sci-fi and I like seeing I like seeing some uh, some big budget stuff in the mix for sure um, but it wasn't just that I don't think um, Serena you know what? I could have watched a whole film of this. I loved it, like loved it from start to finish, and wanted more. And was very sad when it when it ended. Um, do you know that's uh, Sean Penn and Robert Wright, Robin Wright's um, daughter as well in the lead role? I did not know that. No. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, which might explain where some of the budget came from. But regardless <laughs> of that, uh, like it was so slick like the story writing the acting the just the visual effects like the world i love the whole like utopia totalitarian world that is created and the whole thing where you can't have more than one child and any unregistered children have to be taken away but then the story focuses on this girl's parent well this girl basically and her kind of relationship with this boy and her tussle with her parents who have actually helped create this world and I just, I would happily watch a whole film of it. And I don't know if they made it to be a short or if they made it to uh, be a taster for a feature, but I would definitely be up to be seeing the rest of the world and the characters and, and uh, like learning more about them. 
that was my view i really liked it <laughs> yeah absolutely josh any thoughts well, yeah most of my questions are about where the where that that budget came from <laughs> yeah. you, you guys have dropped a couple of bombs there that yeah may have uh, answered that question um but but hats off to that production design i think at the same time it has a very very easy sort of economic feel uh, in terms of the, the the flow and the um, the confidence of the the, the, the camera work, um, there's a great moment, uh, and the, and it it almost sort of answers sort of asking questions about cinema a little, a little bit. There's a great moment um, where they hold on the two talking, which is brilliant. Normally, you'd get a, a film where they're cutting to and fro, left, right, and center, but they hold on them in the in the woods. And then he and he starts questioning the the, the male dude starts questioning um, uh, about how she's readjusting the frame and then there's a cut. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that bit, but it really yeah. stuck with me. It's, it was it was a knowing wink to like the topic that they were going for. This sort of you know spying, it's not spying culture, is it? But a culture of everything being recorded and everyone filming everything. Uh, and there was just there were finesses throughout that whole film including that example that really elevated this movie for me yeah no i completely agree i think it's yeah it's a really really strong film and just yeah another example of what of what is what can be what can be produced with time effort and admittedly a lot of money but again it's not just the money the the film itself like shone through the story was the story was strong the production design added to an already strong story and i think that's that's the key thing to learn and what a lot of more established directors and certainly a lot of hollywood releases forget about it doesn't just have to look nice it can't just look flashy it needs a strong story at its heart and i think that's a a prime example of a good good sci-fi production design in a good sci-fi setting but with a strong story so yeah another another winner for us for sure i think last tonight but by no means least is clean as you like from director Teresa varga this is a pitch dark comedy which made me chuckle a lot and i can't really get certain moments out of my head ever since the film festival um but before we get to what everyone thought of that and indeed whether it stayed everyone else with everyone else in the same way it stayed with me here's an audio interview with producer and actor katie poulter here we go Firstly, yeah. welcome. Thank you. That's quite a film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think one, one of the first things that strikes me about the film is the, the lack of dialogue. Um, I think it really adds character to the film. Um, was that, as far as you're aware, sort of creative choice from the outset? Uh, yeah, that was actually one of the places we started. We uh, we knew we wanted to challenge ourselves by trying to make something without um, any dialogue. Uh, we also knew we wanted to make something that was about um, the power of female relationships. Um, and we also wanted to indulge the darker sides of our mind without so- social services taking away our husbands. Um, so that was the challenge. I think it succeeds on that basis. For sure. um, you mentioned the, the darker tone of it. The film kind of starts out as a more sort of light, well, fairly light-hearted comedy, I would say, and then certainly takes a, a much darker, and in my in my experience, not un, not unwelcome turn for the very, very uh, darkly comic. Um, how's that gone down? Is this how many times have you seen it with the audiences? How have they kind of responded? Yeah, to it's that? really varied, actually. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it would be Marmite. Maybe I would cast it as Marmite. I don't know. You never know if people are really telling the truth of what they actually think of the film. Really, everyone you know says they like it to your face, but you never know. But um, I would say in general, um, 
women do seem to like it a bit more. So Henry the Hoover, like, I mean, I, I'm one of the few people that not only has a Henry in my place of work, I own one myself. So that broke my Congratulations. heart. Congratulations. No worries, thank you. So how did it feel treating Henry that way? It was great. <laughs> Good. Yeah, Henry loved it as well, he told me, yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, so... Yeah, so the yeah, we mentioned the tone of the film. So I'm sure everyone can relate. You mentioned is how much of that is down to sort of personal experience in terms of sort of losing friends to other to boyfriends and that kind of thing. Because I think male and female, we've all gone through that where you have a best friend and suddenly they have another half and you're like, I hate him or her. Why don't they get out of my life? Um, yes, I do have uh, friends. I think like when you were kind of in your thirties as a female, there is like um, I do have friends that are like looking for love and stuff, and it, it is so hard because ultimately men are really smelly. Um, so it's really, really, really want to find love, but you it's quite can't. Quite hot under these lights. Yeah, we, we actually. <laughs> just did, really didn't want to make um, we didn't want to make him really unlikable actually we thought um, we didn't want to be do any man bashing and we uh, we do like men we do um, but so we just wanted to make him just uh, have those little nuances that um, you know kind of annoy you a bit I mean, he annoyed me, so he was, he, the guy did a good job. So, um, so I understand there's there's bigger plans for this film. What's what's up next? What's up next for it? Yes, yeah, so um, we uh, over the moon. We've got um, an Amazon Prime deal for it. Oh, fantastic. So, well done. So yeah, we're super happy with that. Um, that was thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, it'd be really nice to make some money if we could ever do Fair that. Enough, I mean, yeah. as a filmmaker, you kind of resign yourself <laughs> to not making any money, so that would be awesome. And that was another reason for actually making it without any dialogue, because uh, we we was hoping it would be more sellable. Um, so that was kind of putting the producer hat on and trying to think about something that could maybe be um, more sellable all over the world you know but I don't think E17 is as sellable all over around the world but you know we we, we give with one hand we take with the other so fair enough Um, and are you working on anything next or is it just focusing on seeing how wide you can take this for the moment yes we um, so we uh, have made a um, a pilot uh, for a kind of smack the pony style sketch show uh, which we have submitted for Channel 4 Blaps Uh, we are constantly making comedy sketches you can find us on YouTube under we don't hate men Um, and um, we also have a feature in mind like we love the genre of like cheesy chick flicks things that just make women feel empowered and we hope men like it as well and so that's what we want to make we want to make a feature film that's kind of a chick flick really fantastic well i enjoyed it at least so thank, thank you. you very that much means for a lot. thank us. you yeah, no worries thank you very much, <laughs> much appreciated Right, so as you can tell from that, uh, with the producer as being a biggest character as that, then the film certainly has no lack of character to it. And again, one of my, I think one of my, uh, yeah, one of my, again, one of my probably favourite comedies that we saw um, when we were judging last year, um, simply because I think because of that that turn to the to the very bleak comedy that I mentioned there in the interview, did, I did not see it coming, and it and it really took me by surprise, and I think was a definitely a pleasant turn of events for me. Um, Serena, um, do you hate men? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I really <laughs> love this film. <laughs> I really did. And just in that, you know, it reminded me so much, especially I think it was the E17 references of like, because I was probably, I'm old enough to remember being a teenager. And, and, um, and I remember what it was like when you would have a best friend and you would do everything together every single day. And it was magical and amazing comes along and ruins everything <laughs> um so i identify with it so much and i just thought the production design and the art design like the art direction on that film was just incredible the attention to detail was fantastic and that music that they play every time i watch this film i like i have it stuck in my head right now 
like the happy music at the beginning and then at the end again. <laughs> I just, I, I think it, the detail, like the, the comedy is such a hard thing to write and it's such a hard thing to manifest in performances as well. And I just think that these ladies have a buckets of talent in that. And I think that they will do very well with their uh, future TV uh, smack the pony type work that they want to do. So, um, yeah, I just, it was good. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. Josh, any thoughts on the, the lack of dialogue? On the lack of dialogue? Well, that's a massive plus point for me. Um, you know, dialogue should be the last consideration you have in uh, in filmmaking, uh, which is the, uh, you know, um, pretentious way of looking at it. But um, most of cinema is silent, uh, and I in- entirely champion anything that doesn't have dialogue. It's, it's harder to do, but it's... It has a more genuine, real feel to it, and the visuals pop because of the lack of dialogue. But what what I found most interesting, it would have been so easy for them to have just you know shot the not had a sound guy on you know and just shot the thing and had uh, foley and sort of, yeah wacky music over the top of it. But they actually got sound recorded at the same time, so you get to see you know you get to hear them you know creep about behind each other and tut and you know sort of turn the paper and and it was all done live so it's so they had a sound team on but didn't record dialogue it was that's uh that's a very clever decision and i think it completely paid off and i genuinely want to know if they actually wrote that little song because that is a bop is <laughs> like 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 serena saying it was stuck in my head i've w- watched her film loads of times and i just almost just hear the tune if that's if that's them writing it then hats off man that was great yeah i think and uh, uh, yeah, the lack of dialogue i think gives a film it gives the film a, a really good sense of character um and kind of separates it out from because i mean it's it's like some some of the some of the more overt comedy is is kind of familiar to me but i think the the lack of dialogue really made this film stand out in in quite a crowded marketplace of a lot of comedies that we saw i think um and it, it immediately grabs you for sure um josh any thoughts on the on the sort of turn to the turn to black humor at the end because that that for me is is what won it through i've got a anyone that knows me knows i've got a pretty bleak dark sense of humor anyway so this is the kind of thing that will 100 percent appeal to me and josh the few times i've met you in the bar i think you've got a similar sense of humor to me so um, what did you think? <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with the revenge fantasy. N- nothing wrong with uh, turning turning to the dark side. It w- the film has a very good grotesque um, uh, quality to it, and, and I mean in a in the most complimentary sense. Uh, the wide angles, the the mise en scene, the, the the red light that floods quite a lot of the scenes. The you know the obvious the obvious. Um, gory details of cleaning your teeth and going to the loo and stuff that it's peppered throughout you know even from the beginning i'd say the grossness was there so of course when it ended up as a as a nice sort of gleeful fun revenge fantasy uh didn't didn't sort of uh, jump out at me as being a, a surprise more of a, a very good form of progression which they kind of mastered with their uh, with their great editing um obviously the we we need to probably move on to the subject of henry the hoover and yeah. how um there are going to be many people around the country throwing out their vacuum cleaners <laughs> for fear of uh, reprisals <laughs> i think i might just pay, scratch off the smile on my henry and put a sad face on just to reflect the uh, just to reflect this film serena what were your thoughts on, on the, the, the term for the term for black comedy towards the end is this something that normally appeals to you or 
Oh yeah, like I, I'm like I I hope for it. So um, <laughs> every film, but um, no, I especially I I there's when I started watching this film, I was like nothing could make this better than if it turned really dark at the mm. end. And all of a sudden, it did, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> cherry on top. Yeah, it was just it's perfect. <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Yeah, no, I, I think so as well. I think it was yeah, it was a great, great piece of work, and certainly one of one of my favourite comedies of of last year. And that unfortunately brings us to the end of this episode. So Josh and Serena, thank you very much for joining us. You'll both be back with us on the next episode where we're talking about some more films from the Exit Six selection from last year. Um, but all that leaves from us is to say goodbye. So uh, goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast was produced by Face TV with music from Joe Williams. <laughs>